Hey there, this is James Wilson with MTB Strength Training Systems and welcome to another Riding for a Lifetime podcast. Today, I'm going to talk about my morning routine that I do to both just start my day with some healthy habits, but also some things that can help improve my health and just increase my longevity uh, as I get older. So I think it's important for the 40 plus year old rider to think about having some sort of morning routine that they do to, like I said, both kickstart their day and also just leverage uh, you know, these habits to help them in the quest to be able to ride for a lifetime. So before I do, I wanted to just first remind you about the uh, 40 plus program that I have available on my website at bikejames.com. In it, I take the guesswork out of a lot of things that I talk about on this podcast in order to show you exactly how to put these things together into a workout. So how to use things like isometrics and breath work. Um, you know, both these things are, are, I think, important things for the 40 plus year old rider to have in their program. And not a lot of workout programs incorporate things like this into them. So again, you can definitely figure it out yourself. Or if you want to take that guesswork out, go check out the 40 plus program at uh, bikejames.com and also uh, let you know about the best pedal for the 40 plus year old rider and that is the catalyst pedal you can find out more about that at pedalinginnovations.com but this is the pedal that i invented to basically support the foot in a more natural way so it supports both the front and back end of the arch so this results in a more stable arch takes uh, tension and pressure off of the plantar fascia and Achilles tendon and knee and low back. And so uh, one of the, the biggest pieces of feedback that we get from riders about the pedal, besides helping them pedal stronger and be able to ride with more confidence through technical sections, is a reduction in pain. And again, I believe this is because once you stabilize the foot, then you allow the, the rest of the body to move in a more natural way. And having unnatural stress on the foot like you do with a normal pedal be it a smaller flat or a clipless pedal, uh, that unnatural stress is going to cause problems. So anyways, you can uh, find out more at pedalinginnovations.com. We've got a 30-day money-back guarantee uh, on them. And so if you don't like them, send them back. We'll give you your money so you really have nothing to lose. And so yeah, so uh, with that out of the way, we will get into the show. So first off, maximizing your health and longevity should become a bigger priority as you get older. We all know that you can get away with abusing your body in your 20s and even into your 30s and still be able to get away with it. I mean, I think we all probably remember, uh, you know, drinking way too much and being able to wake up the next day and uh, be able to still go for a ride or train or do whatever we needed to do. You know, the body just, it, uh, it it's able to recover faster and handle more abuse. Now, it's not good for us. You know, obviously, the sooner you start taking care of yourself, the better. But the reality is, is that, you know, uh, youth is wasted on the young, as the saying goes. And so you, there are uh, changes uh, with, with our body, you know, both our, our you know, hormones and stuff, our stress uh, response, um, just the accumulation of injuries, all these things add up to create a different reality for us at 40 than we have when we're younger. And so if you want to be able to perform well on a consistent basis into your 40s and beyond, you got to start making good daily habits a part of your routine. So I've gone through several different things over the years. I'm letting you know about my current one, one that I've kind of developed over the last several years um, that I feel really helps me. And it's based in some good science. It's uh, basically a synthesis of 
things that I have learned from uh, people in, in a bunch of different fields that they do to help them with their, to kind of maximize their morning routine and make the most out of their day. And so I wanted to uh, share that, these things with you. And so again, the, the idea behind them is to, you know, support your recovery process. And so if you're training and riding hard, you remember like training breaks your body down. So it's how well you recover uh, after training. And so you know, doing some things on a daily basis to help with that recovery process. And it's also going to leverage uh, you know, and maximize the results that you're getting from that training. And so uh, the three things that I do every morning, uh, one, I hydrate with water and electrolytes, uh, particularly sodium. And uh, I'll go into why sodium is important here in a second. The next thing I do is some sort of breathwork drill. So I currently like to alternate between box breathing and kind of the, the Wim Hof style method where you're, you're doing like a super ventilation with a breath hold. Um, and again, I'll get into the specifics of those here in a second. And then the third one is cold water exposure. So uh, hydrating with, with electrolytes, particularly sodium, breath work, and then cold water exposure. Those are the three things that I uh, have, have found to help me and, and are part of my morning routine, like kind of the, the cornerstone of it. So first, the hydration element uh, and why sodium is so important. So after waking up, I'm going to drink uh, 16 ounces of water with a supplement that it's spelled literally the capital L, uh, capital M, capital N, capital T. So L-M-N-T. So when I first saw it, I thought it was pronounced lemon tea. And so I still call it lemon tea, uh, although I think it's supposed to be pronounced element. That is the, the play on letters there, I guess, if you will. And so um, if you hear of a supplement element, that is this element tea or, or you know, uh, supplement that I'm talking about. So in this supplement, it has one gram of sodium along with 200 milligrams of potassium and 60 milligrams of magnesium. So the, the sodium element is something that might catch some people off guard because sodium is one of those things that the FDA says that we should be limiting our intake of and that a low sodium diet is going to be healthier for blood pressure and heart health and you know, other things. And so, uh, but there's a lot of holes in their recommendation. So I will say I'm deferring a lot here to Rob Wolf, who is a founder of Element. And he's done a lot of great uh, work on illuminating the difference between what we're told by the FDA and what the research on sodium intake actually says. And so again, unfortunately, we we trust uh, you know people in charge of the you know this area. So the FDA in this case. And uh, unfortunately, there's times when they're not necessarily representing the science in the most accurate way possible. And so, you know, in our sport, uh, clipless pedals are a great example of this. So it just goes to show you that you really kind of have to, you know, do your own research on some level and, and make your own decisions because sometimes uh, you're going to find out that the things that were told by the, you know, like I said, like the people in charge, you know, for example, the FDA saying that you need to restrict sodium intake uh, to an extremely low level. And, you know, in our case, the mountain bike industry telling us that clipless pedals are a better way to, uh, to, to pedal your bike. You know, neither one of these claims are actually backed by the science. 
And so, uh, so anyway, so um, it's kind of a little side rant on me, a little uh, jab. I never miss an opportunity to take a jab at uh, the, the lack of science behind clipless pedals. But um, in the case of sodium, like I said, if you want to learn more, then check out Rob Wolf uh, and, and his work. And you'll, uh, he, like I said, he's done a lot of great research in this and has gone into it, you know, in, in a lot more depth than what I'm going to cover here. So, but uh, just to kind of give you a quick overview of why sodium is important and, and how much you want to be taking. Um, now, yes, uh, to start out, a, an overweight, pre-diabetic person who doesn't exercise and eats a lot of fast food probably doesn't need extra sodium. All right, so this is one of the problems that you'll find with the research is that uh, you know a lot of these recommendations to cut sodium intake come from unhealthy people on unhealthy diets. And so if you are a reasonably fit person and you work out on a regular basis and you try to eat whole foods or and limit eating out, then odds are pretty high you could actually stand to use more sodium in your diet. Um, one of the things, just kind of a little side uh, note, is that if you're a, a fan of history and you've you know researched back in ancient history, you know that salt used to be a really highly prized commodity. Like people literally fought and killed people in over access to salt deposits. And so like wars were fought over this stuff. And it wasn't because it was making people unhealthy. All right. So uh, sodium actually, like I said, historically, we've we fought over access to sodium because it there is a sweet spot with it and it is hard to get that from just whole foods. And so again, in our society, uh, salt has become ubiquitous and so sodium is a lot more readily available and so we don't value it as much. But the reality is, is that throughout hum most of human history, sodium and salt has been a highly prized and valued thing because of the observed effects of people who weren't getting enough of it and, and the observed health effects of people who were. Okay, so um, several studies have shown that there is a sweet spot for sodium intake. So again, this isn't a more is better sort of thing, right? It's not like the more sodium you take in, the better results you're going to get. Like there's definitely a point of diminishing returns and probably a point where you will start to incur some negative health uh, results from it. But that's a lot higher than what we're told by uh, the FDA. And so the sweet spot seems to be between four to six grams a day that, that result in optimal health outcomes. And again, there were studies done looking at low, moderate, and high sodium intake. And they actually found that the, the groups that were restricting intake sodium to the lowest levels, uh, that they actually were found to have higher incidence of high blood pressure and cardiovascular death. And ironically, these are the things that we're told that a low sodium diet is supposed to protect us against. And so you can go too low. And if you are an active person and you are sweating, then you are sweating out these electrolytes and, and sodium. And so it needs to be replenished through your diet, through your day, uh, you know, through, uh, through supplementing or, you know, eating or whatever. So that's why starting your day off with a gram of sodium along with a healthy amount of water is going to help hydrate your body in a healthy way. So, uh, you know, sodium is important in the fluid balance. So sodium helps regulate fluid outside your cells. Potassium helps regulate fluid inside your cells. 
And so you need these, uh, these minerals to help maintain this optimal fluid balance. Now, if you're not getting enough of these minerals from your diet, your body will leach them from your bones. So this is why you can get away with not taking in enough sodium, your body will find a way to get it. But the problem is, is that along with the calcium or the, uh, the sodium, it also takes away calcium. And so this can weaken bones. And that's something that you definitely want to be avoiding as an older athlete. Like, you know, we're already, uh, you know, facing potential bone loss just naturally. And then if you're not getting enough sodium and, and these other minerals and your body's having to leach them out of your bones and along with that comes some calcium as well, like that's just going to speed that process up even more. And so, uh, again, this is why you can appear to be healthy and not have a problem, but still uh, actually be suffering in, in you know kind of a silent way that's going to show up down the road from low sodium levels. Now, there are some more uh, pronounced um, uh, symptoms of low sodium, so like low energy, uh, consistent headaches, um, you know, so there are like some, some, some things, some manifestations and things that can show up that you can start taking enough sodium and, and notice immediately, like, wow, I feel better, uh, you know, in these ways. So um, I usually take uh, a few of these throughout the day. So like anywhere from like one to three of them throughout the day. So especially if I'm doing something that makes me sweat a lot, like going for a bike ride, I'm going to have a, at least one or two more elements throughout the day. So again, like I said, like things like low energy, brain fog, muscle cramps, and even reoccurring headaches can be a kind of more acute result of low sodium intake. So if you find you suffer from these things, especially after uh, bike rides or workouts where you're sweating a lot, then again, you taking in some sodium, uh, some salt uh, may alleviate that. And so again, I found that element is, is the best supplement for that uh, for, for doing that. And so that's why like, I'll start my day off with that. And so it can have a massive impact on your health and performance, especially if you are, uh, low on your sodium intake. So the second thing that I do is spend about 10 to 15 minutes doing some kind of breath work. And so again, I've talked recently a lot about, uh, breathing and, and breath work and how these things can impact your health, your performance, and even your mood. So starting your day with some sort of focused breathing drills can make a huge difference in how your day unfolds. Uh, my two favorite breathing drills are box breathing or the Wim Hof style breathing. So with box breathing, you're going to assign a time to the four parts of a breath. So every breath that you take has four parts. There's an inhale, there's a hold at the top. Even if you're not holding, there's a moment where there's a hold as you, as you reverse from an inhale to an exhale. So again, there is a, a top portion of your in, after your inhale there's the exhale and then again there is a bottom portion and so a normal breath again you may not be purposefully holding at the top or bottom of your breath but there is a momentary hold as you're changing from one to the other and so by manipulating these four elements of your breath you can create changes in the body's internal chemistry which can result in changes in the body over time so for Box breathing, I like to recommend that you start with three seconds for each part of the breath. So I'd be a three second inhale, a three second hold at the top, a three second exhale, and a three second hold at the bottom. So uh, as this becomes easy, then you can add one second to each part of the breath cycle. But you wanna make sure that you keep each part of the breath cycle the same length. And this is where the term box breathing comes from because you know, it, it's, uh, you're, it's the same length of time. So don't increase like the inhale and exhale, but not increase the holds, 
right? So if you increase one part by one second, then you increase all the parts by one second. So you can try to work up to five seconds or longer. If, you know, again, there's uh, diminishing returns on getting extremely, uh, you know, extreme holds going with this. But I, I would say that if you're able to get to where you can do five seconds uh, with the box breathing drill and it be relatively comfortable, again, a little uncomfortable, but not like really tough for you to, uh, to do, then that's a good goal. But again, you're getting results from whatever length works for you. Like, man, if you find that three seconds is too hard for you and you need to go to one or two, like it doesn't matter, right? Like just start with something, work with where you're at. You're going to improve, right? Like this is a, a lifelong thing that we're looking at here. Uh, so the, the Wim Hof style breathing goes in the opposite direction. And with this one, you're going to breathe as deeply and as quickly as possible for 30 to 40 breaths. And so it's important that you're breathing deeply and quickly. You don't want to breathe so fast that you're taking shallow breaths. But if you're taking deep breaths, and especially if you're kind of holding at the top and the bottom, uh, or really extending it out at the top or bottom, then that may not be quite fast enough. So there's a little bit of a sweet spot there. But after you do 30 to 40 of these deep and fast breaths, on the last breath, you do a comfortable exhale. And so uh, after you do your exhale, you're going to hold your breath. And so you hold your breath until you feel the urge to breathe. And then you take a deep breath in and hold on that inhale, this time for like 10 to 15 seconds. And then you breathe out and you start that process again. So again, 30 to 40 deep, quick breaths. Hold on the exhale. When you need to breathe, take a deep breath in, hold on that inhale for 10 to 15 seconds, and then breathe out and start over again. And so you're going to repeat that process two to three more times. So that's a total of three to four rounds. So uh, the Wim Hof style breathing is also what I like to use uh, for pre-competition. And so doing this on the mornings of a, of a competition, there is a release of adrenaline that occurs when you do this type of breathing. And so it can help uh, with that adrenaline rush and that adrenaline crash that can happen at the beginning of competition. And so it's not like, you know, standing there on the starting line isn't the first time that your body is being exposed to this rush of adrenaline. Like you've had a chance earlier in the morning to expose yourself to this rush of adrenaline while also focusing on staying relaxed while you're experiencing it. And so that can really make a difference in your mindset and ability to handle the, uh, the stress of competition. So uh, both of these methods are, they're very different, right? Like the execution of them is very different and they deliver slightly different overall results. And so, you know, I'm not necessarily going to go into the, the specifics of what each one does, but the important thing to note is that both of these methods are going to alter your blood chemistry and that's going to result in adaptations in the body, right? Again, slightly different uh, blood chemistry being created, but the, again, the, the overall uh, takeaway message is that, that that changing in the blood chemistry will result in adaptations in the body. And so, uh, and they also act as a form of meditation. Both of these, because you're, you're thinking about your breathing when you're doing the breath holds with the Wim Hof breathing, you're trying to stay relaxed. Uh, so, you know, both of these are a form of meditation and meditation by itself has been shown to have positive health benefits. So you'll, you'll find that meditation is usually part of the morning routine of a lot of successful people. And so by, you know, using this breath work, you're, you're tapping into that as well. So, you know, theoretically, if I had the time, I would do them both every day at different times during the day. 
But as it stands, I can really only commit to doing one of them in the morning. And so what I'll do is I'll alternate between the two breathing methods. I'll do one for anywhere from like one to three months. And then when I kind of feel like I want to switch, or I'm getting a little bored or I feel like I could benefit from a change of pace, then I'll switch to the other one. Um, now, I will say the Wim Hof method, it is more stressful. Like I said, there is an adrenaline release. You are uh, hyperventilating or superventilating, whichever term you want to use. Uh, so you want to make sure that you are in good health uh, in doing that one. And then when you do do it, like ease into it, right? Like there's no need to try to go hog wild uh, the first time. And so also just make sure you're in a, a safe place. While odds aren't super high, you can pass out uh, doing the Wim Hof method. So that's why it's recommended you don't do it while operating machinery or near water or something like that. Like just sitting in a chair or lying on the ground uh, is is a, some, somewhere where you're comfortable. Like that's where you want to be doing your uh, your Wim Hof style breathing. So just keep that in mind, right? Like so if you're new to breath work, maybe start with the box breathing. And then after doing that for a month or so, uh, I'll switch to the, the Wim Hof breathing. Or you could do, try them both, right? Do one one day, do one the other. Like whatever whatever works for you is fine. But doing some sort of breath work is a great way to start your morning. So the last thing that I do is I take a shower and then I finish with like one and a half to three minutes of, of cold water. Just turn the water as cold as it'll go and then stand in there, rinse myself off in it. Um, now, obviously, you can be a, a gangster and just take a cold shower. But, you know, man, I'm, I, I'm not, that, uh, not that gangster. Uh, so I'll just take a, cold sh or a regular shower, right, using normal uh, hot water, you know, warm water, and then I'll finish with the cold. Um, cold exposure like this is part of a traditional way to harden the body. Again, you look back over time, you see many cultures have had some sort of cold exposure as part of just their, their traditional way to keep the body hardened and healthy. Um, and it has been shown to have a lot of health benefits. Again, it's been studied. Uh, and so there have been documented uh, things. So, so things like improved insulin sensitivity, improved mood, and improved stress response are all documented benefits of cold water exposure. And there's a lot of other anecdotal benefits that people have reported as well. And so things like decreased inflammation, improved immune system, uh, increased brown fat, like these are all things that the science hasn't, you know, necessarily been real conclusive on, but you have a lot of people who are telling you that these are benefits they're getting and there is some some science that points in the direction of some of these things being true. So anyways, the point is, is there's a lot of potential benefits from this one and a half to three minute investment. Now, most of the studies that have been done on this are using cold water, like you know, putting the body in cold water. So things like cold water swimming or cold water plunging. Um, but a lot of experts in this area that I've heard have done you know a fair amount of research into this. Um, they say that really you just need to get uncomfortably cold to see benefits. So I mean, theoretically, this could be like walking around in a t-shirt or without a shirt on. In uh, you know, again cold weather and not like dangerously cold, right? Like if it's super cold, just going outside is cold exposure, right? So, uh, but I'm just saying that my, my point is that water's the traditional way and kind of the more common way of using this. Uh, but again, it could just be like cold air exposure. It's just going to take longer to, uh, to get the benefits. Um, but, and the, the cold plunge is, uh, or doing a cold plunge is probably better uh, than doing the shower, 
Um, but the shower still checks the box of being uncomfortably cold and it's, it's going to be better than nothing. Um, so there are some, you know, particularly one thing, uh, you know, with inducing the shiver response. So getting cold enough to induce that shiver response, uh, delivers some unique benefits to a cold exposure. And so that's easier with a cold plunge necessarily than with a, uh, the shower so that may be one thing where a cold plunge is is better than but just exposing yourself to cold water for a few minutes in the morning can have long-term health benefits and again a shower is better than nothing and so don't make an excuse of like not having a fancy cold plunge again you can spend quite a bit of money on at home uh, cold plunges or you know trying to fill a bathtub and put ice in it or whatever right but the problem is is the more friction there is between you and doing something so whether that friction be money to invest in a cold plunge or just the time and effort that it takes to come up with ice and, and consistently do all of that, uh, the, the more likely you are to not start or stick with it. And so finding the lowest friction way that you're going to be able to stick with is really the most important thing. So don't worry about what's best. You need to worry about what are you going to be able to stick with. And if that is taking a cold shower uh, in the morning, then, then do that right? And, and start with that. And so, like I said, you're definitely going to see some, some benefits uh, from that. Um, so again, that's uh, just kind of a, a look at how I, I start my day. Um, the biggest time investment here is the breathing because, you know, drinking some element, that's not going to take you know, very long, just a, a few minutes. Um, I'm taking a shower anyways in the morning, so I may as well finish with some cold water exposure. So I guess, you know, because I don't do a cold shower, the extra minute and a half to three minutes that I spent at the end of the shower, uh, you know, is, is an extra time investment, but really all told I'm about 30 minutes into my morning and I've already invested in some pretty good health habits that are going to leverage my, my recovery and the results that I get from my training. And so it's a great way to start, uh, to start the day. Now, you know, I also have, uh, some, you know, vitamins and stuff. I take a greens powder. I do a vitamin D supplement, a vitamin uh, B12 supplement, um, you know, a few other things. And so I'll usually try to work out or go for a ride or, you know, do some sort of mobility work, um, on a, almost every day. And so, you know, me personally, like my daily habits definitely go beyond this, but I find like, even if you don't have the time, right? Like you like, you can't work out that day. Like that's one of the good things about having daily habits like this is that it it's something that you can do every day to work towards your goal of riding for a lifetime. So if you're not able to work out every day, you're not able to do some sort of mobility every day, then having something that you're doing is so good psychologically. It just helps you keep to build and keep psychological momentum and it helps you feel like you're moving forward on a regular basis. And again, this stuff will amplify the results from your other training and from your writing. So again, now this is just my routine. Uh, I know it won't work for everyone either. You know, you're not going to feel like it does anything for you or just, you know, doesn't, you know, something doesn't fit with what you're able to do. Uh, and that's fine. I think like really the big takeaway message here is to have something that you do every day that moves you closer to your goals. Like for a long time, I would get up and I would do like 10 to 15 minutes of stretching. Like that was just a way that I would start my day or foam rolling or something. Right. And so, uh, you know, just having maybe like a daily mobility routine like that, but, uh, just it's, you know, having these daily habits and doing them first thing so that you're, you're kickstarting your day in a really positive way, 
um, can can really make a big difference. And so again, I you know especially like the the breathing breathwork stuff, the the axes meditation, I, that can definitely change your mindset and change your mood and set the trajectory of your day in a better direction. So again, if you find that you're not able to do this stuff in, until uh, later in the day or at night and you're able to consistently do that, then that's fine. Just again, I, I do it first thing in the morning just because then that way it's over and I, I don't have to worry about trying to fit it in later. Because I, I can tell you, like there's been many times when I've been like, I'm just going to skip my breathing this morning and I'll do it later today. And I'll say that probably 80% of the time, I don't get a chance to do it later during the day. And so just being honest with myself, I know that I have to get it done. It's non-negotiable. It's just I get up and I do it. Don't always feel like doing it, but I just do it. I just you know do this routine. And then by the end of it, I always feel better for it. And I think that you'll probably find the, the same thing or you know having some sort of routine that uh, that works for you. So um, so anyways, if you have any questions about uh, something I've talked about in this podcast, or you would like some advice on creating your own routine, then just let me know. You can always hit me up at james at bikejames.com and I'm always happy to help. So yeah, so that's about it for this podcast. Remember to go to bikejames.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're not signed up to the uh, newsletter, then when you do, you get a free uh, workout. Um, you get weekly uh, newsletter emails updating you when I post a new podcast or a new video or, or a new blog post um, that, that you would find interesting. I used to try to make them all uh, interesting. So yeah, make sure you're signed up to the newsletter. Um, while you're there, you can check out the 40 plus program if you're needing a workout and also be sure to check out pedalinginnovations.com and uh, learn more about the Catalyst Pedal, which is the best pedal for the 40 plus year old rider, uh, especially if you have some sort of pain, especially lower body pain uh, related to riding, either when you're riding or after you ride, it you know, flares up, whatever, you, you might find that this pedal can help with that. So yeah, so that's going to do it. So that's, uh, I guess that we'll wrap it up. I will uh, talk to everybody next time.